Welcome to the ED Clinics podcast. My name is James Woolidge and I'll be your host for this series where we'll be discussing everything to do with shockwave therapy and men's health conditions. That's everything from erectile dysfunction through to chronic pelvic pain syndrome, Peroni's disease, hard flaccid syndrome, amongst others. We'll be talking to a host of experts from around the world to shed some light on these complex conditions. And we'll also be talking to patients that have been through treatment journeys themselves so you can get a greater understanding of how we can help a broad range of people with these conditions. So without further ado, enjoy this episode. So thanks, Eve, uh, for joining me on this podcast. Um, and this is this is the follow up where we as clinicians talk about our approach to certain conditions that we treat. And the first one, we've just had a good chat with John on the podcast before about his response um, to shockwave for erectile dysfunction. That's most mostly what we see amongst the ED clinics network is erectile dysfunction, um, which is why we've done this as the first topic, I guess. Um, so just just as a start point, can you just introduce yourself uh, to everyone that's listening, first of all? Yeah, so uh, my name is Eve, and um, you know, I've been a physiotherapist for over 25 years, mainly sort of have an MSK background, but in the last sort of three to four years, I've really started to be uh, involved a lot more with men's health, um, partly through my experience of obviously using the uh, shockwave therapy, uh, but then also uh, my interest has always been sort of the, the lower back and pelvis uh, and hip joint. But then there was this group of men that we would see with sort of, you know, symptoms that I didn't quite know how to treat. So there was a, a, a sort of interest in trying to work out, you know, how we could best uh, approach those those men. So, you know, with ED clinics, we don't just treat, you know, ED. We also treating, you know, other conditions. Uh, male pelvic conditions uh, and pain conditions. So, um, so for that reason, you know, I've sort of transitioned more from being sort of MSK based to now being far more men's health. Uh, I've got two clinics uh, in my Waterlooville clinic in Hampshire. I do a combination of, of uh, MSK work and um, you know men's health. Uh, whereas in, in my Ready clinic, uh, I, I just do uh, men's health so um and there's been a true awareness really there's been more and more and more demands and more and more men coming forwards for all sorts of you know male pelvic health conditions uh that obviously we we can help them with and um on, on touching on that you're being shy if you've, you've written a book on the subject uh which uh which which was what what was the title so it's uh, shockwave therapy for erectile dysfunction. So it's it's a book that uh, I wrote um, because when I first started to do this work, I, I just could not believe how uh, poorly informed men were. And, you know, also, um, you know, no disrespect, but I think the medical profession kind of let them down a little bit as well with not really listening to them. Um, so I kept on getting the same questions over and over and over again. And then also, um, you know, men seem to be a bit lost. You know, they, they were sort of trying to diagnose things before, or, or sorry, getting treatment before they were diagnosed. So what I, what I try to do in the book is to try and simplify um, things in putting it in a chronological order from, you know, getting the problem to, you know, being diagnosed to you know demonstrating what available treatments are out there 
and then also what shockwave therapy can do for them. So, mm. uh, and then what I tried to do within that as well is to answer all the questions that we were getting from them, you know. Um, so the book is is not necessarily written for clinicians. This is for, for men struggling with erectile dysfunction and their partners, because we yeah. can't forget about their partners as well, because, you know, often relationships, uh, tend to really suffer because of, uh, you know, men having erectile dysfunction. So um, I would very strongly encourage partners to read the book as well so they can understand that, you know, this is a medical condition. This is a problem. You know? mm. I, I think uh, on, on that note, one of the reasons why I think it, um, as you touched upon, some of the medical profession aren't necessarily so good in that areas, of course. So there was a there was a magic pill developed in, I think, probably the 80s, which which meant that for the most, for most men, they were greatly helped by what's now known if your GP gives it to you as sildenafil, which was of course the Viagra is the name. Um, but what, what we end up seeing are people that either don't want to go straight onto that as a choice, or in fact, after five or so years, it stops becoming so effective. Um, yeah. and, then, and then I think because of maybe the lack of research in that area, because it was so effective, that the world has not moved on as quickly as it should have done for that condition. And again, that lack of knowledge, like you say, about the fact that, you know, there's a lot of men that won't understand that it's 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 a vascular condition, that the erection is maintained through increased blood supply, which is how these medications work. They often do find that quite surprising. Um, so, you know, now we now we know that people are searching for it more and there's more there's, there's a lot more noise about this, which is, is useful because men don't want to talk about it. But clearly they are. And we yeah. know the traffic we get from ED clinics is in is increasing year on year uh, by a huge amount. Um, so from, from you know, John's perspective on the podcast podcast before, I just wanted to get you on just to talk through some of the, the things that patients we know ask us about, you know, perhaps what is shockwave, how the shockwave is supposed to or theorized to work. So can you talk, talk, people, talk your classic patient or talk, your, your, talk us through a case issue, a patient sees you the first session, how you approach it, and then the shockwave aspect, if you wouldn't mind. So, uh, I mean, the, the way that we all start off is that, that we do an assessment. So, you know, patient assessment is, is key because we need to make sure that the patient is suitable for the treatment that we're offering. Yeah. Um, th this is a, a process of asking, you know, lots of questions. Yeah. Uh, we also use some standardized questionnaires. We need to get a good understanding of their medical history, their drug history, because really what we're trying to do is to try and, um, you know, establish whether there is a true, you know, vascular or blood flow issue with the particular patients. You know, mm. it, you know, most patients, so about 80 percent of, of men who suffer with erectile dis dysfunction, you know, have vasculogenic ED. Yeah. Um, it's only about 10 percent who suffer with true psychogenic ED. But then, you know, the other thing that we obviously see in most men, uh, despite the fact that it may be vasculogenic in nature, that there's always a bit of performance anxiety associated with that. Mm. You know, So we see that as well. And obviously it's part of, of how we manage it. But I think the, 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 the drug history, the past medical history, all of that will give us a good understanding of the patient's health, their lifestyle. Because I do think that that's kind of where the key is. That's where, you know, um, often you will find that there is some form of history. Now, we also know um, that, there, you know, any kind of men under the age of 40 uh, who presenting with ED 
should really be screened for you know potential cardiovascular disease so again you know their cholesterol their blood pressure all of those basic tests you know a, a proper cardiovascular screen mm. for the simple reason that there is uh, a state which is sort of subclinical so men can start to you know demonstrate uh, problems with erectile dysfunction but there's a thought that within seven to ten years you know these men may develop cardiovascular disease so you know again our responsibility is to pick up on those things and to make sure um you know that we work in conjunction with a gp and also you know kind of clearly ask them why we want those tests to be done so they kind of you know getting a little bit into our world why we think this is so important to do mm. obviously there's other reasons why men can have uh, erectile dysfunction um obviously the the male uh, hormones are important so um so again uh, getting sort of androgen tests done through blood tests yeah so i think that's can be a very good um you know point as well to 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 have that information available if if the person doesn't have that uh then you know we can either again work with a gp to try and get those tests done or there's a couple of sort of internet based internet based companies that we use uh, mm. who do home kits which you know during the covid pandemic was fantastic because we could yeah. get those um those, those home kits and it gives them a profile of their uh, male hormones just to make sure that they're not lacking testosterone yeah? yeah um so so those are all kind of quite key issues we we then use some standardized um questionnaires um you know and these questionnaires kind of help us with um you know categorizing where patients sit so you know is it mild ed moderate ed severe ed yeah mm. um now, the reason why that is important is uh, because uh, just like anything in medicine, if you have something which is mild, then, you know, you're probably going to respond quite well to the treatment. And also you probably won't need as much treatment, where yeah. obviously if things are really severe, then you probably need, you know, something a bit extra. So in that way, where we will be looking at the the comorbidity. So does the patient have diabetes and, you know, all of those kind of things in order to kind of work out you know what type of protocol that we you know would use and that's often a question we get asked obviously not so much from uh, men uh, seeking treatment but more from clinicians as in well what's your protocol yeah. well the, the problem is is that it's it depends mm. <laughs> there yeah. isn't set uh, sort of protocol we tend to obviously from our experience from the research that's out there put all that information together and then come to some kind of through a clinical reasoning process mm. come to some form of um you know judgment on you know what protocol we would be using and that yeah. can be you know as simple as a shockwave therapy but often we combine it potentially with some supplements with perhaps uh, some pde5 inhibitors uh, with a vacuum pump so it really all depends where people are to what we would be uh, offering those types of patients yeah now what um obviously again a lot of patients ask well how does this work you know what does it do yeah mm, yeah so what i normally tend to do is i tend to talk through the to through through the normal mechanism of getting um you know an erection yeah, yeah. um you know and 
just to under, just to make sure that people actually understand how you know uh, you know men get an erection. Yeah, um, and you know there's some key issues with obviously getting the um, the input to the endothelial cells because obviously it's the endothelial cells which are cells that cover the arterial wall which will release nitric oxide. We need that nitric oxide in order to um, you know, relax the smooth muscles of the arteries so they can fill up with blood. Yeah. Mm. And that's basically how the blood enters the penis. Yeah. Now, often what, what uh, men don't seem to understand as well is that um, the outflow is governed by the amount of inflow. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, the, the more blood comes into the penis, the more compression there will be on the outflow. And that will ultimately block the blood from flowing out of the penis so men can maintain an erection yeah, yeah. so um so this is an important thing so we know that shockwave releases nitric oxide yeah so um but you know just like with pde5 inhibitors that's quite a sort of slow effect mm. now we know from you know the cardiology we could which is obviously where uh, the first trials that the Israeli guys did was basically based on the fact that, you know, there was evidence to support that we had neoangenesis and, you know, neoangenesis or neovascularization is, is the process of uh, creating new vessels or microcirculation uh, through a process of, um, you know, in, in, in shockwave through a process of cavitation. So, you know, cavitation is a, a sort of mechanical uh, force that's being placed on on tissue which what you then get from that is um, a certain amount of re-stimulation and regrowth of small vessels now if you get more vessels and increase the microcirculation you will increase the total volume of blood mm. yeah and then the only other thing which is more also to do from us at a musculoskeletal work we we also know that that there are growth factors that that are being released so when we got grotty tendons and all of that we know that uh, that can help to increase that sort of cell regeneration now again with uh, men who may not have been having a lot of erections you know some of that tissue viability might not be quite there mm. so what um, you know shockwave can do is kind of rejuvenate some of that tissue to make it more viable so it really just improves the whole state of you know the vascular system the the penile tissue um, and that's really where uh, you know shockwave is quite different from any other form of treatment yeah I mean, and of course, you know, for us that know about shockwave in a, in a, in a, in a large medical setting, it would be known as lithotripsy. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we use Storts, which is probably the, the most well-known of the shockwave manufacturers and certainly the one that's, that's, that's responsible for most of the evidence in this area. Um, and, you know, the machines that they produce by, by Storts, you know, they're used in cardiology for improving heart muscle and the vessels within the heart. It's, it's a known thing. So, you know, it shouldn't be any surprise, really, that, you know, what, what happens in a tendon and what happens in your heart can equally happen in your penis. And right. um, I, I I tend to use, you know, in ways that I describe it in, in sort of broad terms of regenerative, you know, effects on the tissues. It's like giving a servicing to those sponges that hold on to the vessels, yeah. you know, um, any more detail than that, I'd probably forget. And so with the patient and they're not really concerned. But the other thing, of course, they ask is, 
you know, not surprisingly, where do you put it? Are yeah. you going to treat my penis? Are you going to treat underneath here, there, everywhere? And does it hurt? So could you just summarise, you know, the mechanics of what we do with the, with the shockwave? Yes. Yeah, so, um, so typically, um, you know, a sort of uh, a session of, of shockwave, you know, I normally take about a half an hour. The, the actual treatment in itself takes about 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, although most men are concerned that it's painful, it's actually not painful. Um, you know, there may be some discomfort, um, but we are perfectly capable of, you know, reducing it to a setting that a patient can perfectly tolerate. Yeah. Um, typically, we tend to do um, uh, a good couple of thousand of impulses, you know, on the shaft of the penis. And then we also treat the, um, the crura. Now, the crura is actually the root of the penis. So, um, you know, we are often only obviously uh, appreciate what 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 we can see but actually the penis sits deep within the within the pelvis and obviously we got the uh, arterial supply comes from the pelvis through the root of the the penis yeah which is basically uh, the is in the perineal area which is basically the the area between the the anus and the uh, penis yeah so um, so we tend to treat uh, those arteries leading into the penis as well with a number of shocks, yeah, a uh, number of impulses. Uh, and, you know, that area can often be a little bit more sensitive. But mm. again, because we, we we got a lot of experience doing this now, um, we will always start really low and, and gradually build it up and, you know, to, to tolerance, really, you know. Yeah. Um, most, as I say, most men, you know, um, have have you know tolerated this very very well there's basically no known side effects which is again often what men are concerned about yeah, yeah. um there is um there's no side effects you may get a little bit of discoloration of, of the skin but that's transient sometimes you know for a day or so it might be a bit uncomfortable going for a, a pee but apart from that we haven't really come across any kind of concerning side effects yeah. uh, with any of the men that we treat. Um, typically, you know, we may do one session a week. Sometimes we do two sessions a week. Um, I think to a degree that may depend slightly where the patient um, is located and, and their time available, mm. um, you know, uh, but to be honest, I haven't really seen much difference whether I was treating somebody twice a week or, or, or once a week. So, um, so um, yeah, so I think that there are no other sort of things that men sort of worry about is whether, you know, they can kind of continue with life as normal afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Um, or whether they can drive, for instance, or, or anything like that. But, you know, it, it basically is a is a very, very you know comfortable treatment. Men can come on their own to the treatment, go home and can just carry on with life as is. Yeah. OK. And the other the other thing that came up in the in the in the podcast of John that he was so very erudite about describing you know his progress through and the fact that it's you know what we try and do um our approach is to be very realistic with patients and a part of that first triaging of their particular situation their health status and so forth by saying look I think it's going to need this many sessions I think we're going to need to add in this strategy this strategy and this tactic and losing weight and so forth that we we give with all of that but it's this idea that the short-term changes that people may get within treatment changes may be just 
physiological, which is helpful, you know, nitric oxide and a few other things like that. But what we're really looking for, and of course the patient should be looking for, was that real long-term change about building some uh, realistic expectations that it might be a month or two afterwards, which John talked about, that actually he was continuing to get benefit uh, month, two months afterwards. Is that is that something that you you try and get across to your patients when you're seeing them as well as a sort of, you know, building, laying a realistic foundation, really, of their expectations? That's right, because, again, it's, it's one of the sort of main questions we get asked. Well, when, when are we going to know it's working? Is it session, yeah, yeah. Three, is it session three? Yeah. yeah. Um, now, you know, we do have patients who tend to respond very rapidly. Yeah. But mm. then there's others who don't. And obviously, the, you know, when men don't respond, then they can get a little bit anxious to the fact that it might not be working. Mm. So really, I think. Um, you know, not that dissimilar really to all the MSK stuff that we do is that what, what we're saying to patients or what I say to a patient is that, you know, that there's a time factor involved, you know, in, in such that the, the neovascularization, those vessels, you know, they need time to grow, they need time to develop. And that's really why, uh, you know, even after the, the treatment, you can get ongoing further progress. And, it, you know, it's not the first person that I've seen after six sessions and they go, like, well, not quite sure whether this has worked. Hmm. So what I tend to do is I tend to follow them up about four to six weeks later, you know, and ask, you know, well, how are things? You know, have things improved? Can, I, can we get some feedback? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and then you hear sort of men saying, well, actually, I, I didn't really think that this was, wasn't going to work. But now I'm starting to sort of get, you know, perhaps a, a few more morning erections and things like that. So really sort of starting to see that things are changing. And I think that that's often a little bit what what obviously um, managing the expectation is extremely important because yeah. um, so for that reason, I, I keep. I sort of say to patients, well, look, you know, it, 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 it's not going to suddenly you know, work very, very well for you. You need to look at the subtle things that may change. Like, for instance, you know, uh, especially morning erections tend to be one of the first things that we see, you mm. know, that, that they get they, they becoming more frequent. And this is really nice from sort of our perspective, if that starts to happen during the treatment. Uh, well, you know, then that is a really good indicator that you know there is an effect from the treatment that we are providing yeah now sometimes what can happen is that there are there are patients who are kind of a little bit clear cut to how many sessions we would do but then there's there's people who kind of sit in the middle somewhere and mm. that can be quite difficult to sort of be precise to say well let's do x amount of treatment and that should be sufficient so i you know very very frequently uh, do six sessions and mm. then we have a break yep. you know, and the break is an evaluation period for them in order to be able to sort of get a really good view of where they are um, because you know there's no point in doing more treatment if they don't need it mm. uh, and then you know at the same time at least if we've established whether a patient is is responding to the treatment and they want to have some more treatment well at least we got evidence of, of its effect already yeah yeah, it's a nice approach, isn't it? Um, is there, I mean, you know, we touched on, I mean, a number of things there regarding mechanisms and and how we approach it and, you know, perhaps how we're different to other, there's a lot, it's becoming on the market now about, you know, shockwave therapy is good for this and it's certainly becoming a lot more of a popular topic. Um, and the fact that we use storts and so forth. 
Um, is there anything else that you can think that we get asked a lot from patients that would be, you know, if they were online now asking us, is there anything else that you can think of? Um, I think it's, you know, one of the things obviously that we got is, is, is effectiveness, you know, how, how effective is this treatment? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's a hard one. It's difficult to answer that, isn't it really? Yeah. It, it is hugely. Because it huge. depends on those things you said at the start, exactly. everyone's different. If you've yeah. got this health, you know, if you've got diabetes and you smoke and you like a drink on a Friday and Saturday night, that makes you entirely different to someone who doesn't do any of those things. Um, yeah. but is starting to get a little bit of a mild ED change. That's, yeah it's obvious to say it out loud isn't it but i don't blame people for asking because it, we are in private practice and we charge so uh yeah so what's your take on it when you sort of give a you know your response to patients i think the the, the way to look at or the way that i'm looking at it is very much based on what research tells us and, and and we know that in men who have mild to moderate dd with no comorbidity so comorbidities is where they have no obesity or no uh, high blood pressure, cholesterol. So, you know, healthy uh, men, yeah, mm. um, then we know that that the success rate can be around 70, 75%. Yeah. Mm. So that's kind of our base. That's where I always start from. And then I'll go through a deductive process depending on mm. what obviously comes with it. Yeah. And obviously whether they, you know, go into the more severe side or not. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and that's the conversation. So, it's a conversation to have with a patient. Um, so before they actually engage in treatment, um, that that obviously, first of all, all their questions are answered. Yeah. And, we, and we're not just sort of going through a menu and saying, well, here, look, you know, th these are the options, what you want. Hmm. Uh, you know, um, that's not really the, the process of clinical reasoning. Um, you know, so I think the idea really is, and I think that's probably where we are different is that, uh, coming at it very much from a, a medical perspective, from a physio perspective or an osteopath or, you know, we're clinicians, we want the best for our patients, but mm. at the same time, we're not a corporate business. Uh, we have reputations to keep up. Mm. Um, we, you know, just, you know, we, we, we teach this stuff you teach, you know, we, we, mm. we got to keep our credibility with, you know, not only our patients, but also with our peers that, um you know um that we are there really doing our best to select the patients who are most viable to benefit from this treatment and it's you know it's sad but from time to time you know i say to patients i just you know i just don't think this is for you mm. um you know you're you're more than welcome to try it but you know that the chances of success are really really poor and unfortunately what, what happens a lot is that we see men who just leave who have just been digging sticking their hand in in sorry their head in the sand yeah mm. and if they would have seen us five or ten years earlier yeah. we wouldn't have been able to help them yeah but they wait so long that really you know we've gone past a almost a point of no return which is really sad yeah it is um okay i think that's i think that's probably most of the things i wanted to cover and most of the things i think that patients ask us i can't think of anything else but um um so i will wrap this up and thank you very much for joining us eve we're, we're doing another one soon on chronic pelvic pain um yeah. which is uh, one of your expert areas um so i look forward to that but uh, thanks for joining us tonight thank you eve. cheers bye-bye